You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employer's respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also make you feel totally in control? Enter Conair Girlbomb. They're like your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for us. From the ultimate girl bomb grip to the professional grade blades, say goodbye to settling for less. With Conair Girl Bomb, you get the precision and power that used to only be exclusive to men's tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb, available at Walgreens. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Stay connected and never miss a beat with AT&T. Our reliable network covers more roads than any other carrier, ensuring you're always in the loop. Whether it's tournament upsets, buzzer beaters, or social media buzz, stay up to date. Don't let the action pass you by. Check if you're eligible for a free trial of in-car Wi-Fi at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. And keep the madness going. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. From grandmothers who whispered in their baby girl ear to fathers on dimly lit street corners instructing young soldiers to always keep their eyes open. You be queen. You were fire. You were passed through centuries on the hands of your daughters. They called you wisdom. Proverbs. On the backs of diamond-eyed school children who grew into hymnals recited by amethyst-holding urban philosophers who recited neighborhood commandments out of the windows of restored El Camino chariots to keep the warmth in their blood. Be wise. Be smart. Be black opal, brown quartz, bloodstone, and prayer. Be every form of gem. See, king told scribe, scribe told son, son told wife, wife told her daughter, and daughter told the ancestors, and the ancestors told me that you would come to give wisdom to thousands. They said you would come dropping gem, dropping gem. Hey, it's Debbie Brown. Welcome to the Dropping Gems podcast. Today, we are having a show that is really rooted in exploring inspired action, uh, but especially inspired action in creating equitable spaces and wellness and connecting to different pathways to healing. But before we get started and before I introduce my guest, I'm going to shuffle my Karma Bliss affirmation deck. And we'll get centered in a thought for the episode based on what card wants to just serendipitously pop out. So let me do a quick shuffle. All right. 
So our thought for the show, our affirmation that we're working with for this episode is, I embrace the entirety of who I am so that I may evolve into my highest self. I embrace the entirety of who I am so that I may evolve into my highest self. Hmm. Let's see how that card plays into this episode as we continue on the journey. All right. Today's episode, I have a very, very special guest, Daniel Sanito. Daniel Sanito is a yoga and meditation facilitator, a writer, and a wellness and gender equity educator. They are one of the seven co-founders of the Trans Yoga Project, a group of wellness educators committed to creating equitable and affirming spaces for trans and queer communities. Daniel moves through this world as a transgender non-binary advocate who dedicates their voice to creating affirming and welcoming spaces for all humans to connect with their hearts deeply and fully. Their work is guided by heart-forward connection, sharing these practices and this education to cultivate space where any and all students are able to access these healing practices rooted in liberation. So welcome to the show, my friend, Daniel Sanito. Thank you so much for having me, Debbie. It is an absolute joy to be here with you. (sighs) I, okay, everyone. So I have been trying to land Daniel for months (laughs) (laughs) and I love, you know, I, I've had the chance. I feel like Daniel to get you, to get to know you in so many ways, which is so cool considering we live in other States from each other. So I feel like we've had the chance to be in conversation in so many different kinds of ways around the work and around, you know, the journey and, Um, Just a little framework, Daniel is a colleague of mine at Chopra Global, and Daniel and I first met when at Chopra we were launching the Alicia Keys Divine Feminine uh, 21-day meditation series with Deepak, which was such a beautiful program. And, you know, the way that we initially found each other was talking about how to make this program that we were calling the Divine Feminine, how to make it... um, useful for everyone and how to really understand new ways, especially as a wellness um, community and business, new ways that we can reimagine these ideas of these extreme polarities um, to really be in service to everyone. And speaking for myself, that was just such an amazing experience. And something that felt so empowered is, you know, a lot of the work that you and I do, Daniel, is I feel like we're charged, even if <laughs> I don't know if I've even said this out loud, but I feel like, you know, some of us are really charged with pushing healing forward in a way that it's never been fully received. Like now that there is a real lens on mental health and a real lens on healing, um, we're also noticing areas that it's been stuck and stagnant and actually not really inclusive and not truly healing for everyone. And so... I think some of us have really taken up the charge on that of examining these systems, even the ones we found ourselves in that were beneficial to us, examining them with a new lens and seeing how can we improve upon this. Um, and then we spent so much time hanging out on in those clubhouse streets with Chopra for the last few months and at our event. So I, I'm just so thrilled to have you on the show. 
Yeah, it's been it's been a long time coming. Well, long ish, but I'm like super excited to be here. It's always a joy to be in space with you. And I think that we have so many connections like in our personal work that when we are together, there is this energy and this like charge for me that is inspiring and exciting. And it's just a joy to be in space with you. And I really appreciate the way that uh, we're coming into this conversation Mm. and entering this space, thinking about how we're moving wellness spaces, I suppose, forward. Um, Because like you said, we've, we've connected a lot on honoring these ancient practices, honoring these ancient tools that have magically and miraculously made their way to us and allow Mm. us to kind of explore and understand ourselves in the world in all of the ways that we can. And for so long, especially here in the West, these practices have been so inaccessible for Mm. a variety of reasons. And I think something that um, I've heard you speak to before and something that I speak to often is that healing work and uh, healing practices, it's something that all of us, every single human person is deserving of. And Mm. nobody should feel like they are not worthy of or don't have access to these practices. And so I really appreciate that framework as we enter this space, because it's something that that informs all of the work that I do. Mm. (sighs) There's I mean, can we stay for three hours? Because I have like two different outlines of of (laughs) directions that I want to take this in. But, you know, I'd love to start because I'm so curious. Um, I'd love to know more about your practice and your story and your journey, Mm -hmm. you know, you are, you're a teacher in many different ways and you're very studied and you're very embodied. And, you know, whenever I get to be in conversation, um, especially with a fellow teacher and practitioner, I love to speak to the mastery, you know, Mm -hmm. because I think there are different levels um, that obviously different levels that we're all at on earth um, in this moment. But There's a lot of wellness conversations that are happening, and Mm. I think it's important that we know that there's deeper to go and that there's higher to go, you know, and Mm. there are like some introductory conversations. There's different junctures on the journey where sometimes, you know, we're taking a step and we're applying and embodying for a year or more. And, you know, and so when, when I get to be in conversations with people that have really accessed their mastery. There's a whole new dimension of understanding of what the journey has been. So yeah. I'd love to know a little bit about yours. How did you first come into this work of self? And, you know, what were some of what were some of the initial steps and breakthroughs on the yeah. path of becoming yourself? This is such an amazing question. And it's we're, we'll need to stay for three hours. There's so much depth <laughs> to it. Um So I really like to, I'm just going to start this off here. I really like to look at everything through the lens of layers. Um, Mm. The koshas, if if anyone listening is not familiar with the koshas, they're seen as the five layers of our being um, in Vedic philosophy. And I like to look at everything through that lens because it helps me understand my personal journey. It helps me understand my interpersonal relationships. It helps me understand the world uh, because I think everything in the world is layered and can be understood with more depth in layers. Mm. So I started my my personal journey um, into my own healing through yoga asana. It was something that I took a college course in because I thought it was going to be an easy A. And I was like, I don't want to do anything other than stretch. So here we go. (laughs) And like, 
many of us in the West, I think it's yoga is marketed as a physical practice. And so I was like, okay, fine, I'll do this thing. But I was really fortunate that the person who was teaching at the community college I was going to was uh, just such a deeply informed, educated and, mm. and spiritual person. And uh, the first day I remember talking about yoga philosophy and I was like, okay, this is a little bit different than what I had anticipated. And that became my teacher and my mentor for the next probably five years. Um, I started going to her studio every single day almost, I think. <laughs> I was pretty much like a fixture in the studio because I started to realize that this wasn't something that was just the physical space. This was something mm. that was going much deeper. And at this point in my life, I was um, operating from a space of a lack of understanding and lack of connection to myself. I didn't honor my gender identity. I didn't honor my sexual orientation or how I defined how I relate to other people. I, I just was unaware. Um, and this practice really started to kind of chip away at all the walls I had built up mm. to create this facade that I thought the world wanted me to be. Um, and so when I wow. started diving into those deeper layers, it it started as that outer layer, right? The The first kosha is the external or physical space. And so my practice really started there. And then once I started to peel away layers that were kind of cloaking my truth, um, that's when I started to really study and dive deeper into philosophy and into spiritual understanding and meditation and mantra practices. Um, and those are the things that over the next five or so years kind of helped me to stand in my truth. Um, mm. So I would say that probably it was probably in 2017 or 2016 or so um, I was living in San Diego and I, I was rooted in a queer community. I was surrounded by people who felt like family, who felt like home to me, who felt like I could be my, the fullest expression of myself. And there was still something missing. There was still something that I always felt like I was, I was, something was off. I was still was putting on this show, so to speak. Mm. And so as I continued these practices, as I continued uh, showing up to yoga classes, teaching yoga, um, showing up for my meditation practice, I started to understand that it was because I wasn't, I wasn't whole. I wasn't letting myself go as deep as I needed to. There was a certain wow. layer that I was getting stuck at. And once I peeled that away, um, I was like, oh, there's this whole world of joy that I didn't even know existed. And that's when I started to really mm. intentionally explore my gender. And through, um, through unlocking that, that peace and letting myself be seen by myself, this was, this was an internal exploration. Ooh. So it was like letting myself be seen by myself mm. was something that I hadn't, I was like, oh yeah, I'm doing these spiritual practices. I feel really good. I feel really uh, connected and so on and so forth. But I was never fully seen. And so once I did that, I found the the voice to be able to speak that truth and, um, and that's kind of, I really like to say that my, my yoga practice, my meditation practice, my wellness practices that I have uh, engaged in over the past decade or so, um, that's what really saved my life. That's what really wow. let me stand in my truth. Because without those, I wouldn't have, I don't believe I would have had the courage 
to go that deep within. And so through through all of that, through all of those years of, of uh, misconnection and forming connection and, and going through all these layers of understanding, I uncovered my truth. And wow. that is what my my work today is rooted in because I was even in those healing spaces that I was showing up to, my gender identity, even if I didn't know what it was at that time, my gender identity wasn't seen because our whole world is rooted in gender binary and I, I exist outside of that. And so even if I wanted to explore that, that wasn't a, a space that I knew I could do that in. I couldn't be my full self showing up to healing spaces. And I think that's why it took me a long time in those spaces to understand who I was because I wasn't honored. And so all of that is to say my journey has had, like many of ours will, all of ours will, um, a lot of ups and downs, ebbs and flows, connections and disconnects. And there's a lot that goes on. Um, but I would say that entering in through that first layer and allowing myself to to start to peel those back and having the courage to, to see myself and then to mm. voice that outward that is where my practice um, really expanded. Wow, 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 wow. I, <laughs> I'm like, there's five different pathways that I want to go down right now. Okay. You know, first, I, it's really powerful to me that especially yoga – was one of the primary gateways for you in that deep knowing. And something I've shared, I shared on this show in an episode I did with uh, Jessamine Stanley, yoga was the piece that I was kind of scared of and didn't realize for so long for really some of the exact reasons that you said, you know, and I think, I think a lot of us have aversions to certain things, depending on what our traumas or where our healing lies. And you know, the way that you framed it, that like yoga is kind of shared as like, oh, it's this, it's a workout, you know, it's like the way that it's positioned. It's like, oh yeah, girl. Okay. So I went and did my yoga or like, that's how mm -hmm. I'm, how I'm working on my body. Mm -hmm. Um, but yoga is, I mean, my God, as a spiritual tool, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it strips you, it embodies you, it gets in your cells, but you know, I found that it really shows you um, where all the hidden pieces lie. Mm. So I'm just, I'm so curious, you know, as you were kind of building that yoga practice and now as a yoga teacher, what were, what were some of the things, um, what were some of the unlockings that were happening and how did that inform your next leg of the journey? You know, how did that kind of yeah. also serve as the breadcrumb to the next piece mm. that was necessary? Yeah, that's, there's, there's so much. Yoga is so much. Yoga asana is so much. And um, I think I started to really let it be a breadcrumb in that way and like lead me forward in a way. When I started to recognize that we absorb all of our experiences, every experience we have is stored in the body in some capacity. Our like physical, of course, uh, experiences are stored in our bodies in some way. Emotions are stored in our bodies in some way. Thoughts are stored in our bodies in some way. And, and when I started to understand that, oh, when I'm feeling stressed, my shoulders lift all the way up. And if I hold them here for three months, of course, I'm going to feel like this all the time. And my yoga practice was like, 
was like this tool that let me inquire, okay, you're feeling this emotion. Where does that land in your body? It kind of showed me, um, it showed me where, uh, where emotion lived in my body, whether it be frustration, anger, sadness, or love, joy, and compassion. There's, there's so much. And my yoga practice was a way to become more emotionally, um, literate, more emotionally understanding. And it, it was, of course, through that physical practice and that physical lens that I was like, okay, this is where I'm feeling these things, but how do I understand that emotion a little bit deeper? How do I understand that experience a little bit deeper? Why does that one experience feel so deeply rooted? And that's when I was like, oh, this meditation practice, oh, this mantra practice, oh, this kirtan or whatever it might be, whatever I was like called to do in those moments. Um, that's what kind of guided me forward because Sure, the physical space unlocks a lot. We we do store a lot in physical space, and the physical layer is just one. And all of the subtle layers come like are composed of so much more. There's energy. There's breath. There's mind. There's wisdom. There's bliss. And so when we remove or not remove, but um, move away from and and towards these energy layers and these more subtle layers, that's where the work really started to transform. And that's where I was able to kind of connect with and see myself because I was so hung up on the external. I was still so stuck on the external space. And, and I think that once the shift happened where there was, oh, there's energy, there's breath, there's this, that helps me unlock all of these other things. That's when, um, that's when my practice transformed into deeper study of philosophy, deeper study of breath work, deeper study of meditation. It gave me chills. It really gave me chills hearing you express that because, it, I mean, it was just really divine. And I think it's so necessary um, for everyone listening. And I hope they connected to that because sometimes when we're noticing doing this work, especially if you're a little um, more towards the the starting point of your path where you're finding what what are the modalities going to be that are for me? What is what is the pieces of the practice that are necessary for me? So much of it is being willing to be in the discomfort of the way that the healing mechanisms are connecting to your body, mind, and soul in the beginning, because there is a lot of kind of splitting apart almost. There is a lot of that identifying whoa, I feel that exactly right there. Mm. What the heck? You know, like even being able to fine tune how you're feeling things, where you're feeling them, it's really scary and it's really new, but it's such a profound gift. And those are the, um, you know, I think what you've just described is really how to connect to the whispers of our lives, how to build intuition, how to find the roadmap for the places we need to travel inside of ourselves. Yeah, there's um there's a lot of understanding that happens and a lot of communication that happens. So often mm. we're telling ourselves what to do. We're telling our emotions what to be, how to express and, and all of these things. And what these practices really do is let your internal self communicate with you. And I think that's a really important piece because we can't there are so many different modalities, right? There, You can understand things in physical space, in intellectual space, in spiritual space, and within your emotional body. And so 
at every season of your life, you're probably going to require something new, something different. And sometimes it's going to be yoga asana. Sometimes it's going to be meditation. Sometimes it's journaling. There's going to be something different, I think, for each uh, evolution of you. And the commitment to the practice and the commitment to like sitting in discomfort um, and finding spaces that feel supportive enough for you to sit in discomfort because like we said earlier sometimes spaces just aren't and when you find your spaces those are the places that you can kind of uncover some of those uh those wounds in a way and if you have a wound that you don't have the language to heal it's going to keep showing up and and so the commitment Mm. to that sitting in discomfort gives you the tool to understand and name the wound and then from there hopefully try to shift or heal in a way that feels serving and uplifting. Are you all about the NBA action? You got to try pick six, the newest fantasy app from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA right now. New customers can earn a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 in pick six credits. When you deposit $5 or more, Getting started is simple. Just download the DraftKings Pick 6 app and sign up with code TBE. Pick at least two players and choose if they'll have more or less of a stat. Like, will they score more or less than 30 points? Or have more or less than eight assists? Lock them in and compete against others for a shot at huge cash prizes. Download the DraftKings Pick 6 app now and get started with code TBE. New customers can earn a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 in Pick 6 credits when you deposit $5 or more. Only on DraftKings Pick 6 with code TBE. The crown is yours. One offer per new customer. Minimum $5 deposit to receive a match of up to $100 in Pick 6 credits. Non-withdrawable and valid for Pick 6 use only. Expire after 180 days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick 6 states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com slash promos. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty, beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day.
dropping gem. Let's talk about these spaces that we find ourselves in. This is something that we've had a chance to kind of be in conversation with. And I've shared on this show um, pretty often how, you know, I think um, there there's such a new moment evolving in in the work of healing and in the work of wellness. But even if you found yourself on this path just five years ago or 10 years ago, the landscape was so completely different. And I think a lot of us were finding ourselves in rooms that were one, primarily white, were two, Mm -hmm. primarily, um, you know, a very structured kind of experience within that community. Um, and also usually a lot of those spaces were, were maybe much older. You know, I know um, almost all of the programs that I've done or all of the centers that I've gone to to heal, I'd be the only, you know, low brown mm-hmm. girl in the room and the only person my age by decades, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and there was so much... Uh, beauty in that for me, because I was also able to understand so many different perspectives and create, you know, different kinds of community. But there are ways that that also really shuts you down. And Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of times where it even completely changes someone's journey or they stop, right? Because Mm -hmm. you come into these places and you try to share yourself or you try to open in new ways. And the systems that play or the teachers that play don't know anything about your experiences and sometimes really minimize spiritual teaching into toxic positivity or spiritual bypass. Like there's an mm-hmm. immense amount of spiritual narcissism in some of these spaces. Um, uh-huh. And so I'm just, I'm curious on your experience of how you were noticing what was for you and what wasn't for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and any of the ways that that was kind of felt by you earlier in the journey and the directions that you took. Yeah, there's so much in what you just said. My brain is just like lighting <laughs> up in so many places. Um, there is this spiritual narcissism that I w- I just want to speak to really quickly because Please. we live in a everything in our in our society. I'll speak specifically to here in the West, but broadly speaking, there's a white supremacy culture that trickles into everything, and we go into spaces and have someone at the front of the room as the the leader or the guide. But oftentimes what will happen is because of the culture that we live in and because of the way things in our society are structured, that person is seen as greater than. And I think that when it comes to spiritual practices, what I allow my, or what I try to see myself as when I'm offering anything is a guide for, for someone to have the experience and the embodied experience that they need to have. And so if I can create a container of bravery for them mm. to show up fully for themselves, that's what I'm there for. I can't claim to have all the answers. I can't claim to know your experience and be able to tell you what to do to heal. You are the, the, the guide for your healing, and I'm here to hold a container. And I think when it comes to this spiritual narcissism, it's this idea that I I as the teacher have all the answers and you must come to me for your healing and it creates mm. a dependency and that's not what we're after when we're trying to heal 
collectively and individually, we're not after creating dependency. We're after creating an uplifting community where we can all support one another. And I think that's a really important piece when you when you talk about spiritual narcissism. That's something that I see really often and it's really harmful because it creates more more harm and it creates more disconnect from what I've seen in my experience. Um, and so I just wanted to put that into this space because it's something that I see really frequently. Um, and thinking about the spaces that we enter and the spaces that that are shifting, right? Um, because there is a big shift happening and it's really, really recent. You spoke to spaces being um, predominantly white, which is still the case, predominantly thin, able-bodied and inaccessible, truthfully. And so what the shift that is trying to happen is creating spaces that are more affirming for more communities, which is desperately and deeply needed. And there's still so much root in, um, in that, in that spiritual narcissism, in that, yes, you can enter this space and I still hold the key. And that's the part where I, I personally would love to see the shift. I personally would love to see someone hand over the key, hand over the mic, let yeah. other people yeah. take up space because I think that's where the real shifts, um, I personally think that's where the real shifts are going to happen and going to take form. And so I, as a trans non-binary person, have never walked into a space and said, this space is for me. I've never walked into a space and said wow. And I And that it produces emotion in me. And of course it does. There's such yeah. a deep lack of belonging in these communities that that are meant to heal me. And so when I say that, I know I'm not the only person that's experienced that. I know I'm not the only person that has had to walk into a space time after time and say, I'm here and I'm going to carve out space for myself because I deserve it. Mm. And that's unfortunately what many communities have had to do is to carve out the space for themselves because it's not already there. And that's the part that hurts the most because you're inviting yeah. folks in to heal and then they have to do work in order to access that healing. And that's just, it's just not fair. Mm. <sighs> hmm. Every, every, everything that you just said and, you know, something that's coming forward for me right now is like, even in, and somebody needs to hear this, like that's listening, like something in what you're saying that absolutely just, for lack of a better word, infuriates me, <laughs> um, you know, to that piece about having to carve out space or having to make, even in the healing world, all these little compartmentalizations so that you can stay in a program or stay mm -hmm. in a room or stay at an event that you know is not fully supportive in the healing way mm -hmm. that you're deserving of, but you're still trying to get the morsels that you can out of the experience, you know? And, right. um, hmm. 
You know, the thing that drives me crazy that I've been finding a lot, especially as I'm venturing out to teach in different venues or teaching with different communities. And I think I, I, based on kind of a lot of the work that I do, I teach a full spectrum of people Mm -hmm. and demographics. Um, I come into a lot of those spaces and you're there with, you know, maybe primarily um, a certain demographic of, of teacher and audience And then these conversations that are very damaging, but are cloaked in and uplifting start to happen, right? Mm. This idea of oneness, um, Mm -hmm. which feels like an abuse to me when teachers speak to this in rooms, this idea of like, but we're all one. Mm -hmm. And every, you know, I had this experience recently where I was teaching um, on this really big campus and it was an amazing experience. Um, And I was teaching to a room of mostly people that were... 10 to 30 years older than me um, and had learned and healed in the very specific framework of white wellness. And as I'm trying to speak to my work of ancestral healing and my work of kind of spiritual activism, I remember this woman stood up and she, I mean, she was cloaked in all the things. Like she looked Mm -hmm. like a divine wellness warrior angel, Mm -hmm. you know, like just, Mm -hmm. All the things. And I said, dang, you look the part, you know? Um, And she, she got up and she spoke to me and she was very upset with things that I was saying and very, very triggered by them and saying, you know, we're not separate. This is about oneness and we just all have to love each other. And she got really, really emotional and, you know, and it brought up a lot in her and a lot of anger and a lot of crying and a lot of upsetness. And she said, we are all one. We are all one. We are all love. And we have to operate like that. You know? And, and I sat and I took it in and I heard her and I said, you don't even realize how much you're abusing me right now and abusing everyone in the room. Um, on, on the greater contextual understanding of spirit of consciousness. Why? Yes, we are all one. Yes. Yes. We are these beautiful pieces of God that have chosen to embody on earth to mm-hmm. learn about the human experience. Like that's, that's what that beautiful quote is, right? I'm a spiritual mm-hmm. being having a human experience. So yes. And what you're saying, that is true. We are all one, we are all love, but we're also in a framework of this human experience on earth that also includes an immense amount of oppression an immense amount of, white supremacy and systems of abuse and and toxic culture and all these things that people that didn't have your experience and wellness go through. And so to say something like that, it's the spiritual version of all lives matter. You know, Mm -hmm. it is like, Mm -hmm. it is the, it is the very dolled up sweet version that is cloaked in, you know, process and God and healing language. But you're telling me that all lives matter. And you're bypassing the experience of so many, and then you've wrapped yourself in your own righteousness and your own sadness about how it affects your view of the world. Mm -hmm. And so then you have all these people that don't get to have their needs met that really deserve it. People that have gone through inexplicable trauma that don't get to be where they're at, you know? And I, I think it's just, and I had this other experience around the same time of, you know, this, um, 
I had put up a caption on my page about healing and anything that's on my Instagram is obviously viewed from the standpoint of how I came to the knowledge, you know, or how, how it worked in me. And I remember this man, um, and he was, he was a white male younger, um, but he had, uh, I believe his wife was black and he came on my page in my comments and started out of nowhere telling me this is incorrect. There is no such thing as healing. Nothing needs to be healed. We are already whole. And you just have to come into the remembrance of that. Hmm. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. You know, and he's like, there's no such thing as separateness. And he's speaking from the standpoint of, well, because I have a black wife or a black girlfriend, I know all this. And so clearly I'm, you know, I'm duality. I'm occupying all the spaces. And I'm like, who you sleep with, who you lay with Mm -hmm. does not mean you understand the experience of a people. I don't know her story, you know, and, and. We are not a monolith. The black experience Mm -hmm. is not a monolith. There are a lot of experiences to be had. But even the audacity of coming onto someone's page, you're not even looking to engage in dialogue. You you made a declarative statement of againstness in my comment. And your expectation is I should just take the, oh, yeah, well, he must know what he's talking about. Who are you? You know? Um, so it's just, it's just interesting the way people, even in the spiritual community think they're having conversations versus how they're actually landing. And I think a lot of people don't realize the amount of harm that they do. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much in that. There's, there's so much about these practices that when they're embodied, you can see it, you can feel it, you can understand it from, from the person who is speaking to you. And when stuff like this happens, like these two stories that you've mentioned, it's like, there's uh, one of the five yamas is called asteya. I'm sure you're familiar with it. And it's non-stealing. And people mm-hmm. often equate that to not stealing physical items, tangible items. But it's not stealing experience, not stealing someone's peace. If everyone's here in this space mm-hmm. trying to heal together, have a meditation, whatever it is, whatever space you're holding, and someone stands up and that is stealing the peace and stealing the experience from everybody in that space. And so this person who declares themselves as a spiritual practitioner, as a person who um, who does probably practice meditation and all these things, yeah. like that is, I'm not here to erase that experience. And that moment of activation is where the practice takes form. Why am I activated by the things that that the person leading this space is saying? And how can I return to my practice? Because like you said, there's this, there's this, that framework of I'm a spiritual being having a human experience. It creates so much erasure and Mm. it limits the idea of being a human being having spiritual experiences because Mm. we are human beings. And yes, we have spiritual experiences and that is so valid and so needed. Mm. And it's only through that humanness that we can relate to the spiritual and we can't say I'm standing here and all experiences are the same as mine um, or I only view things from my lens because Mm. I think that's where that comes from. It's like those declarative statements. It's like, it's, I refuse to see your personhood. It's all coming from my lens. And that's where it gets really frustrating and and infuriating like you said yeah. because that that's not a conversation it's not yeah and i think something that um something that had come up 
in a conversation maybe a week or so ago was was the idea of uh well of learning people it was in the conversation um we had internally at Chopra and mm. it was that idea of learning people and when we refuse to understand and learn people we refuse their entire experience and their personhood yeah yeah i think you know as as a teacher as a facilitator even as however we're showing up in our communities it's so important that we lead with curiosity about experience mm. you know i think especially if you and if anyone listening is feeling called to occupy space and wellness as someone that is helping or facilitating healing, or if you already do that, your spiritual practice is not enough. Your spiritual study is not enough. You know, you really, we really have to charge ourselves with investing in our hearts and in our knowledge by exploring um, how different communities have been affected by traumas, how different communities heal, what are barriers to healing, you know, what are Mm -hmm. things that may potentially, if people walk into your room or walk into your offering, what are things that could potentially, you know, make them feel unseen? Like we, we have to be proactive in getting in front of that. If you know that you're charged with being on this path and being of service to others. Yes, absolutely. That the, the proactive piece of that, because I think that, we we think about I'm a healer. I'm um I'm, I'm practicing spirituality, whether you're facilitating space or however you're showing up, like you said, in that community. Um, but to not be aware of the surroundings that you're inviting people into, to not be aware of the community that you're inviting people into, whatever it might be, it's it's not enough to say I'm I'm here holding space. It has to be a proactive effort. Ooh. And for for like, like earlier talking about how I'm, I've never walked into a space that feels like it's for me. There's always something I know every time I leave my house, I know something's going to be sacrificed. I know I'm going to have to sacrifice something. So when I go to a retreat, what am I going to have to sacrifice at that retreat in order to experience those tidbits of healing that I want to access? And it's like, okay, am I going to have to use a gendered restroom? And as small as that sounds, and we are so much more than our bodies and our restrooms, as small as that sounds, my identity isn't seen there. Am I going to have to every single day correct someone misgendering me? Am I going to have to wear certain clothes because I don't want people looking at me and taking away from my experience? I think we've been reduced down so much to these minute details and, and those details matter, but in the grand scheme- it's the proactive work of curating environment and your environment starts with yourself. And so if your spiritual work isn't already rooted in understanding people's experience in, in uprooting everything, you know, about gender binary so that you can hold space for trans people entering your space in, in uproot or in understanding what, white supremacy does to yourself and the world around you. If you're Mm. not investigating those pieces within you, the space you hold is going to be reflective of that because we've all been raised in these systems. So they're in us, whether we want them in us or not, they're in us. And it's up to us and our work to uproot those and to investigate those and to, to create change from that space. Mm. 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 Mm, thank you for saying that. There's there's a phrase that you use that I, I've never heard used before, and I 
I just, I'm kind of, I just love, like, I feel a little blown away by it. Um, you said that it, that it's taking away from my experience of being myself, mm-hmm. you know, like how, how often are we taking away from someone's experience of being themselves Mm-hmm. by projecting on them or by assuming. Um, I think mm-hmm. as a whole, collectively as a society, but my God, the way that you frame that, especially in the spiritual spaces, mm-hmm. looking at ourselves and the way we interact with others and saying, you know, am I taking away from that person's ability to be themselves? Am I am I adding hardship to their experience in any way? Am I challenging their experience in any way, even unintentionally? What a beautiful way to come into yourself and observe the way you're impacting others um, in a conscious or unconscious way. Yeah, I think it's all that opportunity of like remaining curious and and curious about others' experiences and curious about your experience and, yeah. and your experience in every single moment. Because I think what happens is we want to connect with people. We want to relate to people. And so sometimes someone will share something. Someone will share a story of something that's impacted them in healing space or whatever it is. And the immediate reaction is to want to share similar experience Mm. so that we can connect. And even in sharing similar experience, what are you taking away from the person who shared with you? And, and the practice of restful listening, of just listening and absorbing and understanding and letting someone have their experience is so healing. So many of us just want to be heard. We just want to be seen as who we are and stand in our truth. And when we take away from that, even with good intention, it it creates a different dynamic. And so I think that even in the name of uh, connecting where can you, where can you pause and inquire and be curious? And I think like that is one of the driving forces of, of how I show up in the world um, is just that element of curiosity. Wow. Mm, 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 mm. Okay. Last question, Daniel. <sighs> what are some ways that we can create more equitable spaces in wellness? Wow. Last question. Big question. <laughs> you save this one for it's a last. whole other episode. I know. <laughs> it's a whole other episode. Um, there are so many ways to create equitable spaces. And I think that the conversation needs to move beyond bathrooms, needs to move beyond retail, needs to move beyond the outer layer. Um, mm. And I'm not saying that it's not important. Like, it's important to create. Um, to create spaces that on the surface look welcoming, because if you don't, of course, I'm not going to enter that space. And if that's where your work stops, you're not creating a welcoming environment. It's a tokenization wow. or it's wow, a, wow. yeah, it's not, it's not the deep understanding that actually creates equity. And so when we think about what an equitable space looks like, it looks like management, uh, I'm thinking specifically of a yoga studio, let's say, um, 
in yoga studio space, who owns the studio, who's managing the studio, who's making the decisions in that studio, who's teaching classes. And beyond that, who's coming to those classes? How are you creating an environment where people feel welcome to enter Mm. that space? And it's not enough to put uh, diverse bodies or, or diverse sizing within your, your storefront or on your posters. That's not enough. If you're inviting people into your class, but the, the physical practice is not accessible, you're not doing the internal work that needs to be done. And so often the word accessible is used as a framework to, it's almost like a buzzword now where we advertise accessible wow. classes, but there's no actual work being done to make those classes accessible. And this goes broadly to um, to retreats. If If you're inviting people in, but you're not seeing them and hearing them, you're harming them more than you're helping them. And so mm. the real work starts with that, like, like we talked about earlier, it's like that internal spiritual understanding. Because we can talk about external changes that need to be made all day. We can talk about all of the legislation that's trying to erase the existence of trans people. We can talk about that all day. And when we really, what really needs to happen is individually a spiritual revealing of what what is so deeply rooted it's just these patterns and these these ex- expectations that we all have because of the society we've been raised in they inform every single space that we show up whether we're practicing or teaching facilitating hosting whatever it might be if we're not actively in practice every single day of how can i create more space how can i pass the mic how can i let somebody yeah. else yeah. show up as themselves we're not doing that equity work that is lasting and i think that's the piece wow. the lasting mm-hmm. equity work is in your your own discovery. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Mm. Thank you. Mm. <laughs> Daniel, thank you so much for joining us on Dropping Gems. Um, I just love, I just love every time um, we get to work together or be in conversation together. And I can't wait till we're in the same state or city again um, to see each other and, and yeah, continue to continue to drop in. Thank you so much for joining us. And what are some ways that the audience can connect with you and your work? Thank you so much for having me, Debbie. It really was a joy. It's always a joy to be in conversation with you. Um, So you can connect with me on Instagram at Daniel Sanito. My website is also danielsanito.com to check out some of my workshops and offerings that are coming up. And I am releasing a podcast in the spring called The Goo Phase. So stay tuned for that. That is an exciting project and adventure. And that name, yes. I love Oh, my friend. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, Yeah. Everyone, please check out Daniel. Please check out their work. And hopefully I'll have you on the show again. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I would love to. I would love to be back. It's always a joy to be with you. Namaste, my friend. Be well. Such an incredible conversation. Thank you again to Daniel Sanito. So for today's soul work, the work that You know, ideally the intention is that maybe you sit with these thoughts after this episode, maybe grab a journal, write a couple bullet points down, uh, or spend maybe the next week until the next episode, just kind of working with 
how this felt, where it landed. So I want to start our soul work with one, reconnecting you to the affirmation that we began the show with. And let's just take a moment to see now hearing that affirmation again after this beautiful episode, what's coming forward for you. I embrace the entirety of who I am so that I may evolve into my highest self. I embrace the entirety of who I am so that I may evolve into my highest self. And let's take a second right now, just a few moments of silence to see how that affirmation is feeling now. And today's journal prompt, our soul work, I want to get a little rooted into some of the crevices so that maybe we can explore any shadow elements or shadow sides that may be present. So some self-inquiry to kind of savor today and really sink your teeth into is just noticing, are there any ways in your life that you are taking away from someone else's experience of them being themselves. Just sit in that for a second. Maybe write to that a little. Is there anywhere in your life, anywhere, could be work, could be home, could be school, could be with your friendships, could be with your children, could be with your parents, your family members, Could be just sometimes in daily interaction, maybe in traffic or as you're running errands, but let's just look at ourselves with honest, truthful eyes and just observe and notice without judgment. Is there anywhere that I'm taking away from someone's experience? Is there anywhere that I'm minimizing someone's experience? Is there anywhere or any time where I may serve as a barrier to someone's growth or to their experience of being themselves. And just let that sink in for a second. Take it in, see where it lands. It may land, it may not, but asking ourselves questions like this, especially in the more shadow sides of things are how we grow, how we refine, how we become. And then maybe even follow up that question and ask, is there anywhere that I'm taking away from my own experience? Am I taking away from my experience in any way? Am I keeping myself from becoming more in any way? Let the thought enter and then let the thought release. Do a couple deep breaths. 
Mm. Okay. Let's connect next week on Dropping Gems. Namaste. 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 Hey, find me on social. Let's connect at Debbie Brown. That's Twitter and Instagram or go to my website, DebbieBrown.com. And if you're listening to the show on Apple Podcasts, please, please, please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe and send this episode to a friend. Dropping Gems is a production of iHeartRadio and the Black Effect Network. It's produced by Jacquees and me, Debbie Brown. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us, wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic, and at higher risk, get vaccinated. But But nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar 20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Tired of pickup truck bed chaos? Meet Decked, game-changing USA-made full bed-length drawers for tools and gear. Waterproof, dustproof, lockable, secure. Whether you're working, hunting, fishing, camping, or just getting out of town. And introducing Decked Deco cases. Tough, modular, problem-solving cases built for the truck, job site, campsite, or garage. Say goodbye to random bins and tie-downs. Order now at Decked.com slash iHeart for free shipping. Decked, your truck, your rules. Decked.com forward slash iHeart.